If you're looking to buying a new home or selling your home, please go see Legacy Realty Group Remax Vantage and speak to Valdir Baptista Korea, real estate agent at 508-441-1628. His email is Realtor at gmail.com. His motto is your perfect home is out there. I can help you find it. That's Valdir Korea at 508 441 1628. You can buy a home or you can sell the one you have. But see this guy. Like he says, your perfect home is out there. I can help you find it. Hey, hey, welcome to the Really Charlie Podcast, where you get a chance to really tell your story, whether they're inspirational or educational, we just try to get people on here, so we can say, really Charlie? Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Really Charlie Podcast. Today, I am joined by my co-host, Russell Raymonds, and my guest, my honorable guest, Frank Slaughter. See, I know how to pronounce his last name, unlike somebody else on this podcast that's having problems and difficulties and want to call you Slater. (laughs) You know, can you hold on? Can you hold on, please? I got to get a dictionary and I'll get this straight. Hold on, yeah, a dictionary. That dictionary. Thank you. You do work in the library, so you should have plenty of them. They come in different versions, like you know, Creole, uh, you know, 
Spanish, you know, just to help you out. What's because how could you get Frank Slaughter out of Frank Slater? I don't know. I, 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 don't, my, I don't get I, it. My mother's name's uh, Helda, and I, I've been calling her Helda, Helda since I was a little kid. So I, I have those little quirky things about me that just not going to change, man. Oh, well, listen, you better respect no, the man because the education. He, education. Yeah, well, he's been all over the place. Listen. State of Massachusetts, Connecticut. Possibly New York, so he's got probably a trifecta of education, and he's still messing up with your name, which is very easy. It's called it's slaughter. I, I just don't get it, man. You, how can you mess that up, man? All right, okay. I, I'm not saying anything, man. This is well, not the listen. This is not the roast, Russ Ramis. Listen, because. You ain't ahead, roasting Frank. me on nothing, okay? You gotta understand, Frank. <laughs> Frank, no, we gotta do. We gotta do. You gotta do the. We gotta do the intro because no one will know who this guy is. They're not gonna know who the guy is. They're gonna say, "Who is this?" Anyways. Okay, then I want you to do the intro. All right. All right. Go okay. The other co-host, do the intro. Ladies Frank. and gentlemen, Frank Slaughter okay. coming to you straight from the Charlie Show. Right around from your neighborhood. And of course, Charlie's going to bring you all the best in this broadcasting forever. When he's like an old, old dude, he'll still be here. But that's what we're here for. But anyways, on a serious side, Frank is an amazing person. He has been a boxer. He's been a boxing coach. We're going to take you right now to Las Vegas because we're coming to you live from Las Vegas because this is where he lives. So he's going to he's going to be able to let you all you boxing fans know about his experience and where he's come from, how he's connected with me. Uh, I'll have to tell you some some really positive things. I met Frank back at Upward Bound years ago. He was our counselor, our coach, our mentor. Um, we stayed in the dorms at the time. And for all you Upward Bound folks who were in Upward Bound, we didn't have any air conditioning and we had to run up and down the stairs. And Frank had us up at 5.30 in the morning and we had to run to the uh, parking lot at UMass. And uh, early 5.30 in the morning, he had us doing push-ups. He had us spinning around. I mean, it was unbelievable. For a lot of us, you know, we weren't used to that. But, you know, it was a very positive thing. And, uh, you know, I got to I gotta say, when I first met Frank, I actually didn't meet Frank. I met Frank's um, – he used to put these posties up all over the place. So I woke up in the morning and the first time I knew he was a counselor there and all of a sudden there was stickies everywhere, stickies. And all the stickies said really positive things like, like do well in your life and, you know, be encouraged and all these different things were everywhere. And I was just saying to myself, wow, this is incredible. So meeting him uh, for the first time, he looked at me and he said, wow, he says, you know, I was at the time I was one of the, uh, oldest upward bound students. And he said, you know what? He says, you're really going to be, you know, you're, you're, you're a good man here. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to get through this. It's going to be great. And I knew right there, I said, man, I got somebody that really, really cares and is really going to see us get through. So I say all this now because what you're about to hear is a story from this man that carries on to some amazing, amazing names and places. So that's my intro to it. And, you know, Charlie, you can take it right to more questions. Hit him, give him, 
Give him one of those, man, right now. <laughs> and by the way, we did come here today tag teaming him because in case anything happened, both Charlie and I would just tap off or something like that. Well, first and foremost, uh, we have a comment from Rose Sancho, Sanchez. Good evening, Rose. I appreciate your support for the Really Charlie podcast. Stephanie, I see you saying hi to your uncle, Frank. That's nice. We got Paul Santos from the Paul Santos live show. He says, hello, gentlemen. Hello, Russ. Russ and I did radio decades ago. Well, you know what? We know who had the better side of the camera, and that was Paul Santos. Russell's come through hard times with his looks, and he doesn't look as good as Buddy, but, you know, that happens sometimes in the gene pool, you know, family ties and everything. So, but uh, nice, nice. Let's see. Got a Facebook user. What's up, guys? Hello, hello. Kyle Santos. Kyle Santos saying hi, Russ. Hello, hello. And as our man Paul Santos says, LOL. All right. So without further ado, my man, Frank Slaughter, definitely been a pleasure talking to you these past few weeks. You know, um, Russell Russell is good for some things. And what he did, he did tell me to reach out to you. And um, we had conversation about getting you on this podcast to kind of share some, some good stories with us, the boxing stories that you come across and, um, you know, I have some questions, Russell has some questions, but, um, you know, Frank, you, anything you want to say to start us off, man? Yeah. First of all, if you can hear me, you're kind of cutting out on your end. I hope I'm clearer on my end, but you know, yeah, I, can, I can hear you. Born and raised in New Bedford. I always will be from New Bedford. I don't care if I'm living in Las Vegas. Where people say you're from, I've been there 30 years. I'm from New Bedford. And awesome. I'm always proud of my city. And I'm in the boxing capital of America, man. I almost, you know, like you have a 7-Eleven every corner. We have a fighting gym on every corner, be it boxing or MMA. The best, bigger fighters in the world come to Vegas because why? The money's here. Mm-hmm. And it, it's... Uh... And again, I hope you're hearing me clearer than, than I, I am. You. You're clear. You're clear. Uh, I came out here from, from the service. Okay, great, great. You guys aren't, aren't clear. I came out here from the military, landed here, and I um, knew this is what I wanted to do, be, uh, be part of the community of the, of, the, of the boxers. It was first, it was all boxers. And then uh, Stevie Regato came out Well, Stevie actually was here when I was here, maybe before me. And me and Stevie would connect. We would do the little uh, uh, mini marathons and stuff like that. And just when Stevie Delgado was getting ready to start this fabulous program at the UCLA Las Vegas, the battle, he was murdered. He was murdered in Northtown, Las Vegas. And it was a sad event. And I just felt I'm never going to step into Stevie's shoes. I wouldn't even think about it. What I wanted to do, I wanted to honor my friend, my, my Cape Verdean friend from New Bedford, by filling in the coaching slot that he, he left, left behind. And for over 10 years, it, it was a great ride. You know, every uh, boxing match, we go to all the military academies, Air Force, Navy, West Point. We even have Groton, Connecticut, the, the, the Coast Guard Academy. We have fights here, we have fights there. 
other schools. Oh six, we were uh, became a national champ. We were the first school outside of a military school to win the national collegiate boxing champion, and that was great. Yeah, that's, 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 that's the amateur side. And that, um, no, Stevie's my my sister's uncle, and um, you know, and I had there was one thing that you know a lot of us were proud of it was him, you know, what he was able to accomplish. And one of the stories that I, I want to share is, um, since we're talking about Stevie, is uh, Stevie was boxing. He was sparring with uh, Tommy Hearns. And uh, so he's sparring with them. There were some visitors in the gym, a few people uh, checking out, you know, the boxes and uh, not knowing who's, who's actually in the, in the ring, but it's Tommy Hearns and Stevie Delgado. So the uh, guy comes up and says, hey, hey, man, the champ looks good. And one of the guys ringside says, that's not the champ. That's Stevie Delgado. <laughs> I guess he was putting a hurting on, Tom, on uh, Tommy Hearns for a little bit, you know. And, uh, and you know, Stevie, like you said, he, he went on to uh, national championship, Marine, Marine Corps national champ. Um and uh, those are some of the little stories I know about him. And um, but my my memories of him is definitely when I was a whole lot younger. And uh, you know, I got closer to Joey Delgado and Michael Delgado. Those are the people that mm -hmm. I was close to. Yeah. So, and we also got to mention John. We had John Delgado. Remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah, John Delgado. So they all grew up um, years ago, right here in the city. Knew all the all of them. They were really, and, and I understand how, your feelings about that, Frank. Is that they were really good guys. You know, a lot of them came again. They came out of the boys' club. That was a big influence for all of us. So we all had the same same mentality. You know that. You know, working towards something. Those guys did that. I just want to ask you, Frank, about. I want to go right to the national stuff because I have seen so many of your pictures and videos and all the people that you've been involved with, uh, even Pacquiao, Pacquiao, you've been in, in, in involved with him. Can you hear me? Frank, can you hear me? Can you hear me? I don't think he can hear me. Frank, can you, can you hear me? I think he's had a little trouble hearing me there. Yeah. yeah. This, this camera might have froze up a little bit okay so um, so, so frank frank he'll, he'll come back it, uh shortly but uh just to give our audience um a little bit of idea uh he's working with some of the big names yeah, I think, but we're breaking up a little want to try again frank? i can hear you oh okay go ahead oh so i mean he's can, can you can you elaborate on that man can tell can we talk about some of those big, some of the big names that you've been involved with. I think we lost them for a second. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll, he'll come back again. Yeah, so he'll come so back. The um, just to let everyone know that, you know, Frank's been around quite a bit of boxers. Um, uh, and 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 being in Vegas, you you into you intermingle and you get to meet some and you build some friendships with a lot of. 
of the national up and coming or even past boxers, you know, and, you know, he, he just a couple of days ago, he's in Floyd Mayweather's uh, gym, you know, and along with uh, uh, Floyd's uh, brother, Jeff, and, and they were just, you know, talking about a, a few things. And, and uh, so, all right, it's Frank. So go ahead, Russell, why don't you continue? You got your back, Frank. Can you hear me, Frank? Frank, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm back now. Okay, what? Yeah. Russell, he's going to have like a a 10 to 20 second delay. Again, I can hear you, but you're breaking up. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're sort of frozen on the screen, which is your picture. I can hear you. Okay. So, all right, so Frank, tell me more about the the national... Frank, tell me more about the national fighters that you've that you've worked with. Right. I think it's can you hear me? Yep, I can hear I you. Can hear you. Go ahead. So Frank, we would just wanted you to talk about the national uh boxes okay. that you with on uh, Money Mayweather's uh, summer program, and we were doing really well. Okay. That's, they're coming in nice. I heard the last part. Frank, Frank just, just, continue, just continue to talk. If you wanted to elaborate on some of those boxes, you can, you know, sharing some stories. Um, you know, I, I know you trained in Pacquiao's camp, you know, Floyd okay, okay. Mayweather. <laughs> um, so what is some of the things, like this week? You, well, you, it was like, we, it was, go ahead. Go ahead. To this book, me volunteering for, um, for, Yeah, Charlie. Yep. Frank, can you, can you hear me, Charlie? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Okay. I, uh, as far as elaborating, you know, I've been had fighters at Mayweather's uh, uh, place because when you when you go to a uh, fight in Vegas and you got good fighters, you want to go to Mayweather's gym. That's where they get. Paid. That's where almost everybody is, you know, as a winning record. You know, you're not going to go to some bum place where, you know, guys are like 0 and 12. No, you go there, these guys, you know, lost a handful of fights. No, probably no more than three fights. And, and, and you know, they're on the shelf and they're trying to get back in it. Boxing now, which unfortunately is about winning every fight, which is, which is ludicrous. You can't win every fight. The old old, old guys would lose fights, and, 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 and there was nothing about it. But to lose a fight, they won't put you on the shelf because it became a business, and that's kind of unfortunate for the fighters. And so I, you know, I had a I had a featherweight champion of France. He was staying at my house for almost two years, and we just, you know, again, it, it, it's hard to get fights without you knowing somebody. And but Mayweather was ready to sign him, but his problem was he was impatient. 
and he was he was definitely uh, he, he was definitely jacking everybody up in, in, in his class. Okay, so so you, you know, the, uh, I had him also working with Manny Pacquiao, and everybody liked him. Freddie Roach liked him. They all saw his talent, but you know, times in the fight game you can be patient, especially today. I, again, you lose a fight, you lose a couple of fights, and they want to put you on the shelf. Hmm. You know, it's too bad. What's, what do you what do you think? Um, it's all butts in the seat, you know. The promoters yeah. are looking at what they can on with the gate. <laughs> you know, uh, when, when you say uh, promoters and box and, and everything else, uh, when when this ring fighting came in and, and then, when when the ring fighting came in you know uh, uh th- th- this this wwa fighting or something and, and everybody got in the ring and they started kicking and doing all this stuff it seemed to have an audience there was an audience that was interested in that do you think it kind of took a little bit away from boxing I'm glad you asked that question because I really don't think it, it did. When you see a really skilled ma- boxing match, much better than than U.S. Why? We were at the ground of the U.S. right here in Vegas, and, and you know, we boxing team. Uh, Skip John Lewis had Jim here called uh, uh, the Fight Capital, and John Lewis was an MMA star, and Skip, Skipper Kelp was actually uh, Stevie Delgado's fighter before. Okay, so obviously we just have a little bit of a technical issue where we lose Frank. I'm sure he's going to come back again, but as you can see, uh, he's talking about, you know, if you can see what we wanted him to do uh, to, to the community is that Frank has definitely been there with some of the top names was he, you know, who he's talking about, May, Mayweather, Mayweather, and you know, a few others. He's he's been right there. I've seen the pictures with him. Um, you can always go to his Facebook site and see all these these wonderful boxing uh, pictures with him. And he's and and if and if things work out, we'll even talk to you and he'll tell you about his experience of being a boxer himself in Vegas. And he's coming back. You hear Is Frank. He, Experience of being a boxer himself. So there is a bit of a delay on this. Yep. Okay. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Frank, if you want, I could probably, you could probably videotape a video chat through. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, this is uh, this is awkward. This is, and uh, you, you know, you, hopefully uh, your audience will, will be patient enough, or we can do this again. Yeah. It, I think we can, if you want, you can call me on my phone and I can put it on speaker. That'd be great. And then that way your voice comes out. Okay. And we'll do it that way. Okay. Because I don't, this, this, this intellect that you have, this professionalism is, is very important. Yeah, yeah, only, yeah. especially. We, we, do, we do like a re, we do reset. Okay. So what you, what you can do is, um, just call my phone. I'll put you on speaker, and then it will it will automatically. You can hear it from on my my microphone. You want to do that? Okay. 
If you want, I can call you. That's up to you. Yeah, let me call let me, you. Let me do that now. So, ten seconds. I'll be, I'll be on your phone. Okay. All right. All right. Ten seconds. I'll be on your phone. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can call me. Yeah. I'll call you. All right. All right. That would be better. Sorry, everyone. We're gonna get this together because this 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 is a great story, and it's great storyteller. I don't want anyone to miss out on this man and what he has to share with us. So I'm gonna call him right now. Put him on speaker. So, Frank, can you hear me? Hello, Charlie. All right. Yeah, this is, sounds much better. All right. Good. Perfect. All right. So, Russell, can you hear Frank? Delayed, it's a little delayed. It's a little delayed. Yeah, it's going to be like that yeah. uh, through StreamYard. Uh, okay. Okay. So right, I think we, yeah we had the question about um, about when 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 this uh, ring fighting came along it was you know boxing was sort of face face to face with it it seemed like the uh, ring ring fighting you know kick kickboxing using using boxing and and all this all these different martial arts it seemed to be pretty popular do you think the question was do you think that that affected you know the audience for boxing? No, this is just an uh, audience for boxing. The people that love boxing are going to love boxing no matter what. Okay. And, and but here's, here's the deal. When, when the USC, which is located in, in Las Vegas, they came to UNLV. A lot of the guys came because in the beginning, people didn't understand that uh, the ground fighter, they didn't know what jujitsu. They, they saw a bunch of guys wrestling, and that wasn't that wasn't as appealing as a knockout. True. And these guys definitely knew they, they knew what they're doing. They, could, but they didn't have the skills of, of, a, of a boxer. Yeah. You know, the hands up, the chin down, mm -hmm. uh, the reflexes that get that it takes to you know get to the other guy. They didn't have that. You know, they were fighting from a distance. Okay. Because, you know, they had, they had to respect the legs. So I'm sitting, I'm coming in the gym, and all these guys that lined up on the wall, I'm talking about Tito Ortiz, BJ, BJ Penn, John Lewis, uh, uh, man, Tony D'Souza, and, and more. And, and, how did, and what's that guy, Tito? Uh, Chuck Liddell would come, yeah. Okay. So, so I, I said, Skip, what do these guys sit on the floor with no shoes on? And Skip looked at me, Frank, that's called MMA. Mm -hmm. And to get back to Skip McKelp, Skip McKelp was Stephen Argado's last boxer before he was, before he was murdered. Okay. Wow. And so we took, you know, so I took Stevie's place on the boxing team. And Skip said, we're going to teach these guys how to box. And right out of the street, they started knocking people out. 
And after that, every box, every UFC coach had a boxing guy in the ring. Wow. wow. Mm. And, and, and I'll go on with the UFC. When, when the UFC was being started, it was Dana White, the Fatita brothers, John Lewis, and Skipper Kelly. They would fly around at all these different events on, on the Learjet and they figured, this is a good sport. And, and Dana White said, well, why don't we buy the sport? Wow. So they they invested forty forty million dollars in in the sport in the beginning, and they started losing money. But long came. Remember that show the uh, with Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, the contender. Yeah, yeah. They took that format and they started their own reality show with with, with fighters in, 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 in a house. And, you know, they, they have all the drama and everything that they were fighting the cage. And what happened was the people that watched the drama were, were coming to the fights. The people that watched the fights were watching the drama. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, that $40 million investment blew up. They probably got it in uh, two weeks' time. Mm. I don't know how long they got it, but they, they were getting their money back. Definitely. And after that was the end of the story. And John Lewis was, was really the brains of the showmanship of the UFC. His, his first fight coming out of our gym, he, he, he knocked the guy out. And that made everybody believe him. And since I'm in a small class, Skip would say, well, Frank, why, why don't you spot this guy and spot this guy? And honestly, being a little arrogant, a boxer, ain't nobody gonna beat me up with my hands. But those guys, were, they were great athletes. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, I mean, it's 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 not like I mean, it's it's like wrestling. You have a different type of you have a different type of audience. You know, in MMA, there's a different type of audience. But now that I see, I see a lot of people from the boxing world. You know, the fan base is definitely, you know, reaching out because the one thing about MMA is, is it's, it's, it's more frequent with the fights. You can see more of them um, compared to a boxing match that you're waiting, you're waiting, you know, maybe Hmm. once a month or something like that for, um, but you know, that's my only opinion. I mean, there's, there's a lot of amateur stuff out there and, um, so, Russell, why don't you talk to Frank real quick? I'm going to look for a picture of him so I can put on the Okay. You know, um, what, what I wanted to go into, Frank, and talk about, because I know you've, you've been physical since the time years ago. I know you, you, were, you were good for getting everybody to work out. And, again, I mentioned Upward Bound, man. You, you put everybody in shape. You, and it was very important to be in shape, to be at that college for eight weeks, you were the guy that had us up in the morning working out, doing things. Um, you know, through your own experience, you, you've been a boxer. Um, there's injuries. You know, I had an injury. I couldn't continue on with a, with a lot of physical sports. But um, we, we got to deal with the, the head injuries. What do, you, what do you think is going on with, with, with getting head injuries and, 
and you know, so many people wanting to get into this, whether whether it's MMA or or, or any kind of any kind of physical uh, 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 workout where you're going to get hit or, or or end up with some type of of head injury. Well, let me tell you, Russell, that was a great question, and I'll tell you why. I every fighter that I have, well, I bring it to the New Rural Center, which is the Cleveland Clinic. There, they get tested for their, for their uh, uh, cognitive skills. They get MRIs. They get uh, other x-rays. And we put a profile in the beginning of their career, even if they're in the middle of their career, too. And we can, we can see the physical part of the brain. Is there, is there injuries? Do we have any capillary tears? Do we have any bruising? Subdermal hematomas. And then we do the cognitive skills, you know, like touch your nose with your eyes, eyes closed and all, all that stuff. And we, we, we have a scale to measure what, you know, what they look like before they fight and after a fight. And if they go so low beyond, beyond this parameter and they don't bounce back, then you might want to talk to your fighter, like, hey, you might want to do something else. Okay. And, and that's unique to um, the, the Las Vegas. If you ever come to Las Vegas, I'll take you to this, I'm talking about multi-billion dollar facility for boxing injuries and brain injuries. I also had a, a lady from the uh, Wayne State University and, and, her, and her students come here to, to set up, uh, 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 how you say, like, like uh, little, little experiments on boxes. Okay. They, 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 they had a headgear set that was remotely controlled to by a laptop, and it could measure the, the, the velocity of the punches, the impact of the punches, and also what side of the brain were you, was affected. They would take that information and feed it into the Lou Rubel Center, so when they did a CAT scan, they knew what area to look for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one thing I, I liked about that is, um, you know, it records this because there was a lot of times that, you know, if you didn't want to go see anybody, you just didn't go see them, whether it was medical people or anything. You just didn't, if you didn't want to go see them, you didn't have to. You know, there was no kind of, if you just said you were all right, especially back way back when, you know, and you said you were all right, they're just going to let you fight, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it's true. And it, it it takes it takes a trainer, you know, someone that's good, you know, that to to look at their fighter and say, all right, something ain't right here, something's wrong. There's there's something, there's a delay, there's something going on with this dude, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. and then they should actually push for it. And I like what you said earlier that you know, hey, maybe you should try something else. And and that's what I like about all this data because it can tell someone. So go ahead and move on, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, when it comes to the safety of the boxing, the Nevada Athletic Commission is second to none. And the reason is because this is where all the fights are. This is the big fights, the money fights. True. And you can't have guys dying in the ring and people want to keep watching the sport. Mm-hmm. And what what one um well two things, two things. I rescued two fighters off the street. 
One was an African fighter, Joseph Chirinuka. He stumbled into my gym. He was uh, he was dirty. He was hungry. He was sick looking. Mm-hmm. And I said, aren't you Joseph Chirinuka? He said, yeah, man, I'm Joseph. And then we had like a video of boxes, and he, he would get up to the screen with his nose. Yeah. I said, you can't see that? He, he said, no, man, I can't see that good anymore. Wow. So Charlie, I thought, okay, I'm going to get him fair glasses. Yep. I took him to the ophthalmologist, let him have his eye exam. The guy came out shaking his head. He said, he needs surgery in both eyes. Wow. He said, he's got pugilistic damage in one eye. And then the other one, he also has a, a torn retina. Damn. I didn't know what to do. I mean, he had no money. He was dumped on the streets in Lepa. He, he wanted to go back to Uganda. No money. Oh. I put his name in the I put it in, in the paper in the paper. And some guy, came, some rich guy came and said, "I read I read your story. What can I do?" I said, "Well, I need to, I need to pull him up for a, a couple of months." Mm-hmm. The hospitals did a did free surgery for him. Both eyes. It took about a month apiece to, 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 to cure. Long story short, we were able to get him back to Uganda, and he lived a pretty good life. Awesome. Second fighter was a, had a subdermal hematoma. He, he won his fight at the Hard Rock, raised his hand, and collapsed. Yeah. And there I knew that there was not enough money on that fighter to bring him to the hospital. And, and so I went and I, and I, and I talked to me, type of, type of, I'm sorry, I talked to a fighter from, he was from the Philippines. And I said, listen, um, the, the guy's in a coma. Yeah. What are we going to do? Yeah. And so I went to uh, one doctor I knew and they were only going to operate on him for, for, for so much. And the rest, we had to raise the money. Mm-hmm. We got the money. He got he got his um, he, he he was paralyzed when he came up. We sent for his wife in the Philippines. We we uh, set him up with a business back home, a micro business back home, because in the Philippines, you don't eat if you don't work. Yeah. And then I followed on to the Philippines to make sure that you know he, him and his family was okay. That's that's great, man. So uh, yeah, it is. What's I just want to ask. So what, what is what do you have now as like sort of uh, insurance for fighters, athletes who get in the game, and in and in and in the end they're not just you know found by the by the sidewalk or something. That what 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 can they can they walk away with sort of a a retirement something something that they can. You know, do they have any any health insurance for them so that if they're not going to be boxers, they can they can go and get some kind of assistance? All the stuff you just told me now, they had to ask somebody for for that kind of help to get them help. Is there something when they sign up to be a fighter, they can say, you know, if it doesn't work out, I'll have health insurance. I'll be able to go to see a doctor. Is anything like that? Well, that's another excellent question. I went to. UNLV law students. So they could draft a law 
that we could send through the commission, that fighters would be insured if they had a catastrophic injury. We went to Nevada State, uh, uh, what do you call it? We went, we went to the, the Capitol building and we had hearings on it. We sat down and it was all in the paper because the fighter's name was Zeke Ores. Mm-hmm. He had enough money covered on him from the ring to the emergency room. Past the emergency room, there was no money left. Wow. They had to take the skull off his head and they had to put it in a deep freeze in San Diego because we don't have that facility out here. Hmm. When he woke up, he, he, was, he was paralyzed, but he had a big hole in his head because there was no money to put that skull back on his head. And I told him, you can't send this boy home to the Philippines like this. They said, well, put a helmet on his head. No. I said, yeah, sure. Wow. That's not going to work. So we convinced them to go retrieve that skull in San Diego. And the doctor did it pro bono and put the skull back on his head. In the meantime, he still needed rehab. Yep. So now we now we have $500,000 worth of medical care. And the promoters skipped town with the money. Man. So it was a, it was a fight where Manny Pacquiao was at, and I had to go through his bodyguard. Said, "Listen, I said, listen, Manny, Zikor is in is in the audience. I wheeled him up in a wheelchair. Manny's part of the sea. So where's Z? Yeah. And then with the money we got, gave him, his wife, and the money Manny gave him, it sustained him back in the Philippines. Wow." And the, and the law never got passed because promoters got into it and they were thinking, I don't want to pay for this. Mm-hmm. But they didn't understand. Or maybe they did. A million dollars insurance doesn't cost a million dollars. Yeah. And that's what they didn't get. Crazy. So still today, fighters don't have that uh, insurance. It's, um, <laughs> it, last week I had Joe Varela, New Bedford boxer. He went, you know, he started out with the boys club and um, he ended up, you know, going to Vegas. That's where all his fights were, you know. And one of the things he said was, uh, is that, um, you know, I had money after, I, you know, his last fight was, was kind of horrific because he ended up, you know, killing a man that he fought and he, he was never the same. And, um, so he stepped down, stepped away from boxing. But what happened is his management, he uh, is it Frank Roach was his trainer. You know, they, they had put money aside for him every time he was winning. And he was very successful. So they put money aside for him. And when he decided to step away, he had a pretty good hunk of change. So that was able to have him, you know, buy a home for his family and, uh, and do good things on his part. So, you know, as as a mentor and a coach as you are, you know, I, I, I know you're instructing the young fighters to do things like this. Put some money away. You know, just don't spend it. You see too many of them trying to do flashy things. And, uh, you know, 50 bucks a week, 100 bucks a week, 1,000 bucks a week, you know, you got to do something just so you can have something to fall back on. 
Yeah, but that's up to their managers. Yes, exactly. And as a trainer, I don't have that layaway. Yeah. 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 And then, but, but that's up to the managers, and you get good managers, you get bad managers. And I get and, that. And in yeah. Boston, we, 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 Boston, we say promoters are nothing but pimps. Mm-hmm. That's what we say. Some are good, some are bad. Yeah, and you know, you know better than me, and I, I, I definitely respect that. And um, the uh, can you talk about some of your experiences here in New Bedford at the Boys Club? You know, some of the the highlights, lowlights, whatever you may want to talk about. Um, and uh, just so people can get an idea about you know you and and your stay here in New Bedford. Well, my my big. Uh with Manny Burgos House of Champions. Yes, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The opposite from the boys club, but exactly. It was a great experience. I I, I came home from, from from college. I wasn't doing that well. Uh, between the services. And so, you know, I took up boxing a little late. And Manny was a great trainer. I mean, I just had nothing but respect for that guy. And the other thing I want to say before I get on, New Bedford had a lot of great Cape Verdean boxers. Yes. Alvin Pino, Cesar DeWine, Manny, Manny Burgo. And, and those are the old guys. And then you have, the, you know, the, the young kids coming up too. Yeah. And it's, it's um, you know, we, we talked about a few of them and you had mentioned a few and feel free. Anybody you want to talk about, you can go ahead and talk about Frank. You know this. This is a story that um, you know these are stories that I want out there, and you know people listen to this, they listen to my podcast, and there are young boxes on my in in my Facebook pages. So these are some of the stories that I like people to listen to. Um, well, one of the boxes that are on my radar right now is from Southeast New England. I think it's Providence, Rhode Island. And that's Demetrius Andre. Yes. I got to carry the Cape Verdean flag in the ring for one of his fights. Awesome. Great kid, perfect record, and they won't fight him. But we, we need to do in New Bedford, Rhode Island, Fall River. We need to get people, when he fights, excited about him. Mm-hmm. That's what gets promoters excited. Yeah. When they see butts in the seat and people following him. He needs to fight uh, Canelo Alvarez. Mm-hmm. And I think he'll do well. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I I like watching him. and I have a lot of confidence when he's fighting. I always think that, you know, he's never really in trouble. But um, if he is gets in a little trouble, he seems to get out of it. Um, he takes control of a lot of his fights. And that's one of the things that I like about him is that he's gonna he's gonna control his fight, and uh, and I'm glad he has the ability to control his fights. Some people just can't do it, but he does. He's got a great ring gentlemanship. Yes, yes. And um, yeah, you, again, we need we need people in New Bedford and Providence in, in that area to talk him up. He's got a fight in, in New England. People show up. He, he pay for you. Buy that. Buy that. Pay for you. Yes. Come out to Vegas. See him fight. When they when they see those bus in the seats, 
they're giving more fights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you know, I was I was trying to think of when you mentioned about the local the local boxes, and then I was thinking of the gyms. And uh, I think the last gym that I got to see was Manny Burgos' gym. I think it was at the Elman Street, right? Yeah. Was no, was, okay. So well, that was later on. Okay, so there was one. At, there was one. At, it was in Vogue basement. Yeah. Right, right. So that's the Hillman Street. So the old Vogue. So what happened was I went down there. I got, I got to I got to put this footage out either on cable one day or someplace so everyone can see it because shortly after that the gym burned down and you know the story. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, the gym burned down because somebody got mad. I guess there was a dog pound that was behind the gym. And some arsonist slid it up or something in the gym burn. But I got some really, really good footage on there. I got Snooky, uh I, I got Snooky on there, uh Kobe. I got I got I got him in the gym. I got um I, I got Nathan. I can't remember Nathan's last name. Yeah, but I interviewed him. I in, I went in, I filmed in the office. I, I I I interviewed people in the gym, and it, and it was something just so unique about. Uh, I got Joe Pamilton, uh boxing in the gym, hitting the bag. We got a whole bunch of names, bunch of young people, and you know the kids went out running and and doing stuff. But I, again, it was just not too long after that. The, what shocked what shocked me is that it got burned. So um, you know, it, it's it's just that environment. That, that we all remember. I know the boys club had the same thing and we were always, you know, we were always told not to, not to even get near the ring. Cause Mr. Vincent, Mr. Vincent wouldn't let us get near that ring when it was boxing time. The only time we ever got, we got in the ring is on Saturdays. Every Saturday, the boys club would have a wrestling match and we'd all sit around in the middle of the ring, which we thought was so cool because we knew the boxes were in there and we got to, uh, pick somebody out. We got to pick somebody out that was sitting around and we got to wrestle them. So <laughs> I had, I had a blast with that. I was probably one of the sneakiest, sneakiest fighters. And I, and I say sneaky cause I had the technique. Nobody wanted to get up with Russ and wrestle. And you guys know, who you, you guys know who you are. <laughs> if you know, I used to like to flip them over my head or, or put them in the scissors. They didn't want to get in the scissors with me. If I put them in the scissors, it was all over. That was it. It wasn't quite boxing. It wasn't quite boxing, but it worked. But any, anyways, I just wanted to go on when you started saying that the, 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 the tradition of seeing these boxing rings. And I also wanted to mention uh, uh, some of the old school boxers. Like I, I used to talk to uh, Tony, Tony Pina, who was uh, Masi Pina's dad. Um, it was Armstead Christian's. Uh, Armstead Christian's. Um, he he was married to to Masi, so uh, he he would always tell me years ago about his technique in boxing, and and it was. I want to ask you about this, Frank. He told me one day. He said, "You know what?" He said, "You can actually knock somebody out without putting your hands on them." And being a young guy, like I was, like kind of laughing at him. I said. I said, what do you, what do you know? What are you talking about? You, you could, you could knock somebody out without putting the hands on them. And he said, yeah, he said, yeah, those schools used to do it all the time. So he showed me that he goes, let me show you. So he does this little technique where he goes in this S shape, like, like Tyson would do. Right. He did it real fast and he did it so fast that he, 
your eyes would actually, you know, that vertigo, that vertigo thing, man, all of a sudden just make you feel like you were going to go out for a second. It was very effective. It's, I mean, it worked. So is that true? Are there some techniques that maybe some boxers use? For example, even I've seen Tyson do that where he bends his head down, rolls up to one side, comes up on the other side in S shape. You think he's you think he was knocking some fighters out with uh, some vertigo vertigo uh, technique? Man, that's something beyond my pay scale. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was, know that. It really worked. I was totally shocked. I mean, these old schoolers definitely had all these things that they would do. And, you know, I, I think it was coming, and a lot of it was coming from New Bedford. I really think it was coming from New Bedford because, you know, you have all the, you have all the gyms. I remember seeing um, Muhammad Ali had a gym in South Beach when I was there on Fifth, on, on the uh, – Fifth Street Bridge, you can go down there and see where Ali Ali had a gym. But unfortunately, when you go there, all there is is a plaque on the street, and there's no real gym. And going back to what's so cool about these gyms that we that we have in this city, they were so unique, and losing the one on Hillman Street was definitely a big loss. Well, the, the thing yeah. that – the thing with Hillman Street is they were able to restore it and – uh and now it's the Andre McCoy Recreation Center, so um, something is there. Um, yes. And then the history about Manny Burgos House of Champions. There's a lot of history that's kind of kept in people's basements and cellars, and and that stuff is is going to end up being you know destroyed by just by Mother Nature itself, you know. And I, I hope that you know all the history that isn't within the city is able to be restored by family members because keeping things in a box is 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 like keeping things on top of a sponge because a box will end up absorbing all the moisture and mildew and everything else and then that stuff end up being tainted and destroyed so um well charlie i would really love to get you to talk to kenny adams yeah. two-time olympic boxing uh coach uh, Hall of Fame referee uh, uh, Richard Steele. Yes. Yeah, and he, Richard Steele came out of the uh, Marine Corps. He was a boxer and a pro boxer, but he's got some great stories that I would love for you to record. I I definitely want to do that because I was, you know, when we talked about it, and and it's something that I'm going to do, and I'm going to make sure that I set it up so. Um, so we can do this, you know, and you see how things are sometimes difficultly difficult doing things virtual or, um, you know, so I got to make sure that those guys are able to, you know, access a computer and, and make sure that their Internet is, 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 you know, high level. So because I don't want to miss that opportunity, you know, I don't want to miss that recording. I'm always talking about videotaping or video recording people because you know we got to give people flowers while they're standing and i want to make sure that greats like richard Steele and and and, and kenny adams definitely gets spoken to i mean kenny adams hall of famer from missouri definitely doing my homework on him um and then he's passing down his craft to everybody that he possibly can you know so and um I really enjoyed the story when that you told me about Richard Steele and uh, 
Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to talk about that. I want Richard to tell the story. Okay, all right, then we'll do we'll do that. Well, I'm going to save that question and 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 can definitely. You tell, can you tell us about Manny? Tell tell, tell us about your your interaction with Manny. Manny, Manny No, Manny oh, Kaka. Oh, okay. I met Manny almost 20 years ago uh, on the UNLV campus. And after that, I was at, he would give me tickets to fights. You know, I had like a fighter train with him and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I'm not in this inner circle, but we know each other. Yeah. And matter of fact, if it wasn't for this COVID stuff, I was going to go to Mindanao, the southern part of uh, the Philippines, and visit them guys. Wow. And that's what, that, and then this time what happened was everybody had to be isolated from Manny because if he tested positive, end of fight. Yeah. So, so you know, we got a fist bump, we got, but we didn't get to chat. We had our mask. I had my mask on. He didn't, he didn't have his. And Hello. every time he comes, I used to get a picture yeah, a autographs from him, but yeah, and I actually had tickets to the fight, mm-hmm. but I didn't go. I love that picture of you and him um, that we use for the podcast, um, and uh, he's just an icon, one of the greatest. And uh, for you to be that close and have a nice conversation with him, you know, and you know that's five stars material, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Miguel Cotto in 08, you know, Las Vegas was going through some rough patches. Yeah. You know, our economy was going down, people losing their homes, their business, that, that, that whole, whole thing about the, uh, what, what do you call that, that, that period where, where, where Wall Street was crashing? That's, that's early. Yeah. So anyway, um, when Manny came here, I, before he came here, I set it up. I said, Mayor Oscar Goodman, we got to give this guy the key to the city. Yeah. And Mayor said, why, Frank? What has he done? I said, Mayor, have you been paying attention? Mm-hmm. He's flying here like eight times. He brings in about $100 million every time he fights. Yeah. You tell people casinos, hotels, food, the fight, buying souvenirs. I said, he doesn't have to fight here. Yeah. But he chose to. So he true. likes to fight here. So true. And at the same time, they had that big uh, tsunami in Bender Aceh yep. over there in, in, um, in, in, uh, in Indonesia, Malaysia. So I, I, I write this letter to the, to the mayor, and finally he called me and said, Frank, we're going to do this. <laughs> now, Bob, Bob Aaron said, everybody's giving Manny stuff, but what about Kodo? <laughs> I said, but what about Kodo? Yeah. Bob Aaron said, well, we're not going to let you give Manny a, a present or a key to the city without giving Kodo. So the mayor called me back, said, Frank, I'm in a dilemma. It's, it's your call. <laughs> I have to give keys to both of them. Wow. And we'll do it in a big, big, you know, auditorium and all that. And you're invited. I said, man, I'm not going to embarrass you. Yeah. Give the key to both of them. Mm-hmm. 
So that's what they end up doing. I got mm-hmm. Manny, not Pirigal, Manny Pacquiao, yep. the key to the city, and, and Miguel Cotto. Mm-hmm. And, and I say I'm glad because Miguel Cotto ended up to be a really nice guy. Yeah. And the thing is, is that they're, I mean, they're not both doing the same thing, but, you know, it's, it's still the thing. It's still the boxing game, and, and, and that's a key part of Vegas and, and not as much as gambling or everything, but the boxing is, 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 is iconic in that, in that city. Um, and every time I go, there's something going on. There is a fight on it. it it's, there's no doubt about it. Any time of the year that I'm actually flying to Vegas, you know, it, it's definitely something to go. I can go to any, I can go to go see a fight, and that's great. You know, the uh, before we were called the boxing capital, but because of USC, yep, with a fighting capital. Wow. <clears throat> and it, well, well, you know, like you, like yourself, um, you know, you haven't forgotten your city. You you remember New Bedford. You know, you're you're doing it right now. You're you know by by saying all this and mentioning Stevie Delgado and bringing back all these names, and you know you should get some type of key to your key to the city yourself. I mean, you know, like yourself, Marvin Hagler was the same way. Marvin, a lot of people didn't realize, you know, he he practiced right in the boys' club gym. He he did commercials for um, businesses in New Bedford. He did a commercial for McCleary's Tires. Right up the north end, if everybody knows where Enterprise Rental is now on on Ashley Boulevard, that's where McCleary Tires was, and that's where Marvin Hagler went and promoted, promoted tires. So he was very influential influential in the city. And we and the one thing we can't forget is uh, Paul Poria, who for a lot yeah, of you yeah. don't know, if you can go on YouTube, uh, he fought Larry Holmes right in in later in his later in his life, and for a lot of us who went to New Bedford High School, when New Bedford High School first opened, Paul Poria was coming in as a, in, coming in as a new, he was a new boxer. And, um, you know, he was, he was on the top of his, top of his game. At some point he stopped boxing. He didn't come back until his forties. And that's where he got in the ring with Larry Holmes. And he, I mean, if you go on YouTube and you, and you Google, yeah, if you Google that, man, he went like three rounds with Larry Holmes I think he either he got shot in the side or something and broke a rib, and I know it really upset him because he really didn't want to stop. He didn't want to stop fighting, but his coach said, "No, that's that's it. You broke your rib or something." It looks as though he broke his rib. I'm not sure. I know there was some effect where he puts his hand on his side, and his coach just kind of said, "No, no, that's it, that's it." But in the, in his heyday when he was younger, um, he he definitely he was another one that put put the city on the map. With his uh, boxing, yeah, and it. I worked with Paul uh, for a few years, um, and uh, we had a lot of conversations, different conversations about a lot of things. And um, the one thing he wanted, he wanted the 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 area of boxing to be, he wanted it to get elevated a little bit more. At that point, it was pretty yes. stagnant, and you know, and he was really trying to make sure that. Um, you know, he talked to whoever was up and coming, and uh, but Paul was a, he was a gentle giant, and a guy had a heart of gold, mm-hmm. and he would do anything for anybody. And when he was in the school, he didn't let any kids go hungry. If they were hungry, he was going to make sure that he got them a lunch. He did everything that possible 
um, and especially when they were getting in trouble, you know, he would talk to them. And uh, his boxing career was it was a was an icebreaker with a lot of kids when he was talking to them. Mm-hmm. And, sure, and let's not sure. let's not forget Danny Dyes. Yes, Jimmy Perry. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those, a lot of those names, and I and I mentioned them because not only did they do the boxing, they were just overall athletes because they also played football, baseball, and I and I always emphasize this that because we're not stuck in a box. Everyone thinks oh, because this person just boxed, they do. They, no, they didn't just they didn't just do that. They played all other sports because again, I I'll emphasize that the boys club taught us we we were trained to play everything from hockey to baseball, to football. You can pick whatever you want. Even we even had ping pong sessions and a lot of those a lot of those young guys, you know, they were they were really fast. They were really, really fast. All we needed was a tennis court. If we would have had a tennis court and, and also a swimming pool at the at the boys club, you would have you would have got like you just had the two K Verdians in the Olympics. You would have had the best swimmers in the world because the best swimmers we're in this area, and the reason for that, and if anyone can say why would they, you could say they're the best swimmers, is because we used to have rafts down the beach. If you go down to any of the beach, the beaches, um, we had two rafts, and we would swim back and forth to the rafts. We were so good at it that you know we were. It was as if we were living in the Caribbean. Not only could we swim, we could also dive. We were diving twenty feet, thirty feet down into the water on one breath, and. <laughs> or, or you'd you'd see once in a while JoJo Force would would sneak off from where the where the lifeguards were rowing and he'd swim right across the river, which was which was a big no no. But he was he was really good at that. He could swim. Or or Faithy, um, I, I I'm forgetting Faith Faithy um, Silver. Silver. Uh, you want to see a female swimmer s- swim? Oh. Amelia Santos, you had uh, uh, Terry and Jerry Pina, and 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 all of these fine athletes. I'm not gonna. I don't want to go off on a tangent with something else, but I, I want to keep emphasizing all of the talent that we've had. Had in since you had Jimmy Colbert here talking about his his basketball. Uh, Jeff Berg, uh, Berg, Berg, I can't. What's Berglund. Jeff? Jeff Berglund. Thank you, Jeff. I'm sorry. So you had Jeff. You had you had. Uh, uh, Gary Dias, Mikey Fields, all these were fine athletes. See, um, I remember all those guys. Um, Fields was my Fields was my neighbor in the projects. Yeah. <laughs> and, and before the boys club opened up, that field was open, and we used to play pee wee football there. Mm-hmm. Right. And my brother was the, one of the was the first members at the boys club. With, with with Alan Fisher, okay. When it first opened, it, it, it's it's amazing that um, you know the history in that building. I, I wish the walls could talk, you know, and tell some uh-huh. stories, you know. Yeah. The uh, one thing I, I wish that uh, I, you know, eventually I'll, I'll probably have some more time eventually in the next five years to uh, set up something. But I like to do a New Bedford. Uh, boxing hall of fame and um you know i have some pictures not too many but i do have some but i think that the stories of new bedford boxers should come to light um and and instead of us just verbally passing them on 
I would like to have somewhere where people can go and um, and look at some of the history and some of the pictures. You know, some boxes have good, bad, and ugly careers. However, you know, just a just a name on the wall or a picture on the wall um, is is just inspirational for the kids. Yeah. I mean, I I never I would never ever ever tell a kid not to box. You know. That's one of the things that I would I, I, I tell I send them to Jason Pyers, um, uh, my buddy Richie Feliciano, the Yava Gym. You know I would send them anywhere I could. You know especially where uh, they were getting in trouble. You know fighting anyway. So well, why don't you go in the gym a little bit and uh, mm -hmm. and learn something? You know and then uh, um, Frank, you and I talked about um, in Vegas. You know. People come in the gym and they're just fooling around and, and saying, you know, no, you got to get out of here. This ain't the right sport for you. You know, and I never send anybody to, to those those trainers in the area if, you know, that kid's just not going to have it, you know. Um, I don't want to waste anybody's time, you know. Yeah, there's a way you train a kid to box. Yes. You know, you see bad trainers and kids get hurt. And I'll go back to Manny Burger. Before I even touched the gloves, I was standing in that mirror for weeks at a time. But I said, Manny, when I'm going to get to go in the ring, he almost laughed his head off. He said, get back in that mirror. <laughs> one day I walk in the gym, he said, this is your day to strap him on. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, the guy socked me in the jaw, and I fell down. Yep. And Manny looked at me and said, why'd you fall? Mm -hmm. He said, because you thought you were supposed to fall. There was nothing wrong with you. Yeah. I'll never forget that. And it, it reminds me of uh, childhood fights, you know, and, and you get hit by someone and you go, ah, you scream. And you walk <laughs> away and you're like, well, I don't, I don't what know. am I screaming for? It didn't I, hurt. I don't, you know. I, don't know what you're I don't know what you're talking about because I, I never got hit. Hey, listen. I, I I held my own there, Russell. You know, I don't I didn't have any problem. I know. Okay. <laughs> Russell better be quiet. Hey, I want to mention Henry Covey because Henry was on USA Boxing. And last time I was on your show, when we talked about the limo pulling up, when I used to do the radio at USM, I I I didn't get him when I was talking about a limo pulling up and it was Curtis Blow. Uh Henry thought it was gonna Henry thought I was gonna say it was him. And I said, I said I would, I would make up for Henry, and I'm going to make up for it right now. That one night when I was doing radio at USM, a limo pulled up. It really did. And I looked out the window to see who it was, and it was Henry Covey. He was coming from um, um, Foxwoods in one of his boxing matches, and he was listening to the radio station all the way back. And he decided, now this is how cool he was. He pulled up in his limo and told me, Russ, Come on down. We're going to hang out for the night after the radio station. So I got to hang out. I got to hang out in a limo with 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 Henry. We Henry and you know everybody knows him as Snooky. But we hung out all night. Went to the dog mill, <laughs> the dog mill next to the courthouse, and everybody was like, "Who's this? Who's this pulling up in the limo?" And here's Henry. I said, "Henry, you just got out of your boxing match, came to New Bedford in a limo, and you're riding around the neighborhood." 
this goes to show you that, you know, I mean, he could have went anywhere else that night. He could have stayed in Connecticut and went to some fancy club, but he wanted to come back and hang out with his people in the neighborhood. I thought that was cool. That, that, those stories are, 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 are priceless. Yes, they are. Henry Henry Covey wanted to fight. Uh, uh, I believe it was Mancini in Providence, and uh, oh, okay. And uh, Henry was trying. He uh, that uh, they might have fought once or twice, and he just wanted that third fight, and he never ever, they never got to that. But um, he he, he always wanted that. He always wanted that fight. Um. I think it was Mancini. I, 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 I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta check that. But there was one fight, and a dude from Providence and Snooky wanted it, and he, he, he was ready to train. He was, he was doing all that he had to. You know, he cut down on a lot of stuff that it was extracurricular activity because that's what he was training. That's the fight that he wanted, and um, I would never count him out. Never count him out, and I, I think he probably would have. You talking about Vinny Casiana? Yeah, that's who it was, Vinny. He wanted. He, yeah, my boy fought him. Yeah, the guy from Uganda. Yeah, he fought Vinny blind. Wow. I mean, they used him bad, and, and they he fought in Providence, and, and he lost. Wow. And like I say, he came back and they kicked him on the street. Yeah. Blind yeah. and dirty. Four, well, four years or something, he was sleeping under bridges and all that. And then when he wanted into my my gym, I told him to get that surgery and send him back home. Yeah. In fact, uh, Nathan Victor says Snooky versus Vinny Paz at Lincoln Park. Snooky stayed getting robbed, and and it's true. You know, it, they just there was something about it. You know, Vinny had that that he had that um, he had the system behind him. You know, and uh. It's too bad for guys like Snooky. That's all they thought about was training and being a, the next greatest per, uh, boxer. And um, they continue to get robbed, you know. You know, you know something. Yeah. We, we, we also had um, we had Ronnie Sims, who was Marvin Hagler's uh, I remember. He, yes. he, he also fought. Um, uh, uh, he he fought Vinny Paz, and it, and it, and he was another one who was a he was a fan of the radio station. Came to the radio station, hung out before his fight, and said, "Russ, listen, if I win this fight against Vinny Paz, we're gonna start a radio station." And he was serious. And I said, "I said, you serious? You're gonna go in there and fight?" So you know, he fought that fight, and uh, it, there was a decision. And I'm telling you, R- Ronnie was. He was wailing on him, man. He did such a good job. And then I asked him that night. I said, man, that decision didn't go your way. He said, Russ, he says, you know what? I I got in that ring with the flu. I mean, that would have never happened today, man. That when the virus is going on, they would have checked somebody and said, you're not going to ring. But he said, man, I said, you got in there and you weren't feeling well. I said, well, why didn't you just say that you didn't feel well? You can't. He said, Ross, it don't work like that, man. Mm-hmm. These promoters aren't going to. They're not going to let me go. So so what happened was after I met Ronnie, I was just kind of hanging out in the neighborhood on Cedar Street in New Bedford. It was a nice sunny day. And um, I was sitting on the porch. It was myself, Ray the Barrels and and Melvin uh, Rodriguez, uh, who became a state trooper lady, we're all sitting on the porch. I'm sitting on the porch, and all of a sudden the car pulled up, 
And a woman got out and she ran up to me and gave me a flyer. And I said, what, what is this? And she said, well, my brother's going to put a fashion show on. And I said, your brother? I said, who's your brother? I looked down and it was Marvin Hagler's picture with Larry Bird and a whole bunch of people. It was a poster. And I said, he's your brother? She said, yeah. I said, okay. I said, hold on. I'll be right back, right? So I, I went in the house and I came out with this picture of me and Marvin and it was a picture of me and Marvin that we took at McCleary's Tires in the North End. It was a, I got a big picture of me and him. I put it on Facebook once. And so she looked at me. She goes, can I have your phone number? So she takes my phone number. And about half hour later, she calls me and says, I need you to be the DJ at Marvin's fashion show in Brockton. And I said, Marvin's fashion show in Brockton? I was so excited. I went back in the apartment and I told everybody that I'm going to be Marvin's DJ at a fashion show. And then I realized, I said, wait a minute, I got the music, the Earth, Wind and Fire, the Maze, I got all these albums, but I don't have a system. So I said, well, let me call her up again. I called her. I said, look, Veronica, I don't have all this equipment. She says, Russ, you don't have to bring any equipment. Just bring your albums. I'm going to have a whole system set out for you. So I went to Brockton and they had this whole system set out with a ho with a host and him and I worked together, and you had Larry Bird, you had Marvin Hagler, all dressed up nice, and I played, I played Tavares, I played Earth, Wind, and Fire, I played all the cool music, and they said, man, they loved it. So he came to me at the end, and he said, Russ, I'm going to be fighting Sugar Ray Leonard. If, if, if I win the fight with Sugar Ray Leonard, you're going to be the DJ at the house. And I was like, you got to be kidding. So the I'm just reflecting on some of the some of the influences that we've had right right in our backyard, man. And that was like a big one. Just like you you're doing right now, Frank. This has been a story that's been, you know, we've been waiting to tell this story. Frank. I always thought that that Marvin Hagler beat Sugar Ray Lane. Yeah. It's just I, my bias. Initially, initially I was, you know, saying uh you know, Sugar Ray Leonard won, but later as I got better at looking at the fight and scoring it, I said, he got robbed. Marvin got robbed, you know, and that, that's, that's what I, I came out maybe probably three, four years after the fight, you know, getting to understand, you know, scoring and boxing. And, and, uh, and I definitely said that Marvin won that fight. And, um, I said that from the outset. I, I saw yeah. the fight. Yeah, and it. And then I watched it, and I the tapes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and uh, it, you, I just it's too bad. There's so many good, yeah. good, good fights. Um, you, you know, know when, when, yeah. actually, let me. Uh, I want to. We mentioned Sugar Ray Leonard, and um, he between Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns, um. They both avoided Stevie Delgado. I don't know if you know about that, Frank. I did not know that, but I'm yeah. surprised. Yeah, they were they were avoiding him oh um as he was coming up, you know. They just didn't especially he went down to Maryland and uh and he was down there and uh something I, I, I can't remember the story uh but you know Sugar Ray was able to get out of that fight even in his home state. You know, so I uh, just want to attach some history to uh, them, too, along with uh, 
you know, Stevie. Uh, in fact, that that might be a great story to get Mikey Delgado and uh, Joey on here and kind of share some stories. But um, I, I I didn't hear that, but you know that's how it goes, man. Yeah, yeah, yep. And it, it, it waits you out. It waits till you get too old, or or you're slipping, and then that's all right. Let's sign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By that time, you need the money. Yeah. I, no. I remember I remember being down in uh, Baltimore. I was invited to go to the Sugar Ray Leonard retirement in Baltimore, which a uh, professor brought a few of us along. And it was kind of shocking because it was Sugar Ray Leonard only charged a dollar to go to the arena in Baltimore. And uh, it was a it was a full packed arena. They had the Pointer Sisters. They had Baltimore Colts. You had Sugar Ray, you had you had Marvin Hagler, you had Marvin Hagler was there, you had Howard Cosell, and you had Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was there. And um it, it was it was really cool to be on the floor. And I remember there was an entourage of people uh, around Sugar Ray Leonard and they were Sugar Ray Leonard was coming towards me and it was and, and they wanted everybody to move out of the way, and I was sort of in the middle of the aisle. And as he came towards me, I said, wow. I said, you know, he's about, he looked like he was about five, six or something like that. But then all of a sudden, yeah, when, but when he, when he moved and you saw the back of him go by, he was built like uh, Bruce Lee. He was, he had like a V shape, you know? So to see, to see them for real, that was, that was exciting. Also see Muhammad Ali was, um, that was real to life. He was really as big as he, he was as big as he is, man. That guy was something. Frank, have you ever thought about, you know, documenting your stories, um, making a book or um, because you have a lot of history around you, you know, and in, uh, in and out of your life, you know, and uh, is that something you would think about later on? That's actually fun to think about. Yeah. Okay. Because it, I mean, there's one thing. I, I mean, I love sports stories, you know, but one of the things I like is basketball, football, and boxing stories, you know. And, and I mean, I can read a story or even go on Audible and, and just listen to some of the things, you know, the different boxing stories, you know. Just recently, I was uh, – watching the documentary on Sonny Liston and uh and how he died and uh it's amazing that there was someone coming forward and saying that you know had part in his murder and uh they just didn't let that story get out you know they didn't want it to get out um well that's what you you know you live in Vegas you hear these stories <clears throat> I'm at the Binion's house, Binion Horseshoe, the big casino. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with their grandson, and, and, and their grandmother's there, Phyllis. And she's we're watching a boxing match at, at, at the house, and she's really nice. She started talking about Sonny Liston, because that's her day. Yeah. She said, yeah, Sonny Liston would, would be dry. Well, here's what, in the days when it, when it was real hot and you didn't have a lot of air condition, they were, everybody would go to Lake Mead. And they had the spots on Lake Mead, and you could be very private because the, the, the city maybe was less than two hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. And Sunny, you would have a pink Cadillac, 
and you're driving through the dirt road in the desert and, and he would be speeding past you and look like he's going to wreck as his girls in the car and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he used to fight at the, the casinos. It's uh Yeah, but he was found, you know, he found with needle marks in his arm, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. So they were planted pretty much. Yeah. And, um, you know, his, his wife, even though she went a lot, she had a, you know, she had a love life. She loved him, you know, but she went through a lot because that love was real deep, you know, and uh, she even, even the day that he was found dead, that she was trying to do her best to make him die with some respect, you know, and clean the house mm-hmm. and do all that things. And, and she was, they said she was very immaculate and uh, clean, very, very, you know, very good. And then all of a sudden the detective comes up with some bag of coke heroin and uh saying that this was here you know she just cleaned the house for two hours you don't think she's seen that in plain view you know she would definitely probably got rid of it she was getting rid of everything else you know there's a lot of dirt around yeah there is um and uh but it, i i really really appreciate you taking your time we definitely listened and learned um, a lot of things on it. We definitely learned about setting up this podcast and making sure that the next interview that we have is a whole lot better. And, you know, when I do talk to uh, Kenny Adams and, and Richard Steele and set that up, uh, I did reach out to um, Jeff Mayweather. I didn't get a response. I emailed it to his site. Um, so hopefully something will happen on that end too. But, um, I want to do that, and I, I want you to be involved in it if I can, you know, um, because, you know, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you um, just getting to know you, but I'm very proud of everything that you contributed to life, to the sport of boxing, you know, even if you're just talking to people. I mean, look, at you, you saved two people's lives, and you probably saved many more. You just don't know it, and I, I want to first you know, pass that on. I want to thank you for taking care of my nephew. He talks highly of you. Uh, it's it's it was it was a pleasure. The kid was uh, very respectful. Said good morning to me every day. Um, said good night to me. Have a good day. Have a good weekend. Um, it, it's you know when that goes a long way. It's only it's only little words, but if y'all acknowledging me when my back's turned, that means a lot to me because you're seeing me. And you're calling out my name to say hi, goodbye. That means a lot. Um, and you're very entrenched in the Gafford area. Thank you. And, uh, oh, you too. I, I, I try to do the best I can. And uh, that's the way I was raised. And um, I was raised by a bunch of strong women. And I'm very proud of it. And uh, I, I latched on and got some ways from them. And uh, I'm happy about it. Yeah, uh, I wanna uh, I wanna add a little quote, a uh, comment here, Frank. You're gonna get a kick out of this, but uh, Russell's sister-in-law Debbie says Russell, your brother Buddy said you look like Bill Cosby. <laughs> I think they, I think they're probably drinking at home or something like that. <laughs> they, they, they drink a lot. I don't, I can't, I can't. That's a lot that. of drinking. <laughs> 
Cosby. I don't look nothing like me. No, not oh, you. Uh, They're saying Russell looks like Bill Cosby. Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, thanks a lot. You're right. thanks, thanks, thanks a lot, Frank. Yeah. Where's, I told where's, you I I'm going to give you one of these if you keep saying stuff about me. <laughs> before, before, before Charlie gives you a good quote, I just want to tell you again, thank you for being the counselor for a lot of us. And, and respectfully, you did it for the guys and the late, the guys and the girls. I want to think of Diane Silver because I know she yes. was – she was definitely close to you. You were close to all the all all of the ladies. And 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 let me give a big picture out to Wareham because Wareham Wareham had one. We had a boxer at Upward Bound too. I forget his name, but there were a lot of guys that really, really, really respected you. You brought you brought two cities, little towns together. New Bedford, Wareham. You had us all respecting each other, and um, you were so. Inf- so influential in our lives, man, that, you know, we can't, like, like Charlie says, you want to give the flowers to you now. We appreciate, we really, really, really appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you for influencing us and getting us going because that's exactly what that program was about getting, getting us going when we thought that we couldn't do it. And and with all those little stickies that you put all over the place, they were very effective. Thank you very much for mentioning that. Um, all right. Well, Frank, this is definitely a, a good evening, and um, I'm glad we were able to hear your good voice, hear your good intellect on the, on the sport of boxing. And um, like I said, I want to do this again. Um, I, I, I like co-hosting things with Russell. I actually try to get Russell to come on a radio station with me. And uh, it would it would the introduction would have sounded real nice. It would have been uh, this is the Russell and Charlie show serving you R and B on the rocks, chilled music and a chilled host where you get to listen to the music you love the most on WMB One Radio. Didn't that sound great? Really, Charlie? <laughs> yeah, really, Charlie. Really, Charlie. You got to put your wife back on here. She'll straighten everything out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, all right. all right. So, Frank, let's do this again, man. Let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Keep in, and uh, I'll reach out. As soon as I try to reach out to those guys, I may need your help. I'm going to definitely, uh, you know, let you know every step of the way. But I like to do it within the next uh, couple of weeks um, into October sometime and, uh, and get those guys on you. Now, did you say you got in touch with Jeff Mayweather? I sent him an email. I told him that you were going to be on my podcast today. I explained, uh, you know, I wanted to interview him, um, you know, maybe get a recording of it. What my intention was is to get a recording of him or invite him to this podcast where he kind of popped up and surprised you and then talked to you. You had guys had some interaction, you know, um, but that didn't work out. And, uh, I didn't get a response back, so, um, but I'll, I'll double check my emails and, um, but I don't have any problem calling anybody. I can reach out, and call people, and, um, use my resources to get them on the phone and talk to them. I'll try to make that happen because Jeff is a really interesting guy. It seems like it, and uh, he's doing a lot of good things on that website of his. 
So yeah. Um. All right. Uh, any any last comments, Frank, that you want to give? No, it's just I feel like I'm in New Bedford. I feel like I'm just down the street. Yeah, it's good. And that's where I want to feel. Good. I, I um, I got some things to get to send your way. You know, I'm gonna touch bases with you. Want to send you a T-shirt? Um, is I know your size of T-shirt is sexy, handsome and sexy, <laughs> but I I don't have those. All I got is uh, medium large and uh, extra large. What's your choice? I'll take a large. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna get that to you, man. And uh, Russell, you owe me. I got, I got the me, I got the handsome and sexy one right here, man. No, you you owe me twenty bucks for a T-shirt. That was sent bucks. to my house. Twenty bucks for a T-shirt, Russell. Make sure you send it in. All right. Twenty bucks for a T-shirt. Listen, what are you? You better get with the program, man. That's the way they go. That's the rate they're going, man. I can't. I can't. What? Don't worry, my wife. My wife will buy it for me. I ain't worried about it. Just let her buy it. She's well, already, you, order, she's already right. ordering the shirt. If you if if you had the if you were on the Russell and Charlie show serving R and B on the rocks, you would have a free T shirt. We would have oh, our own T shirt. You know, I'm getting I'm getting a free shirt, man. Well, you need to come on my show. You need to you need to be on WMB one every week, six to eight on Tuesday. I don't know what your problem is. We WMB one has uh, we have permission slips, so if you need your wife to sign it, so you can go out. You're, you're only a few blocks away from the studio. It caused a lot of problems years ago when I used to do the For Lovers Only show at WUSM. So I have people coming to me and saying that that music you used to play is a result of me being here today. So. I, I didn't play Isley Brothers between the sheets. It wasn't I didn't do that. It had nothing to do with me. Well, this is that was the record. I just put the record on the player and everybody can't blame me for that. You could people should have just been doing something else. You've been watching TV and say you're listening to ninety one point one on the radio. Well, we need to we need to bring you out of retirement and get back on the radio. So you need to talk to your wife. In her, in her she shed there and discuss about Tuesday, six to eight. She let, me, she let me sit here today, which is incredible, man. She let me see. I couldn't believe it. All right. All right. Frank, you have a great night. God bless you. Russell, thank you. As take care, Charlie. Take care. Frank, take care. And likewise, guys. All right. God bless you, brother. Take care. All right. <laughs> Take care, Frank. All right. So, Russell, I'm a man, man. Need to come on that radio, man. People want to hear you. <laughs> they want to hear me on the radio. People want to hear you on the radio, Send man. dedication out. You need to FM get out there. 91.1 FM. Russell Amos on the radio. I got a new software Call program. Requests. Right, 999-81750. We'll get that song out that you want to hear. You know what we used to do? Honestly, I, I'm going to tell you the truth about something. You know what we used to do? We used to do these things where we would wait for requests for the phones to ring. So sometimes we, when we we didn't get the requests on the phones, we would get on and just we throw out like a crazy dedication. Like Shelly, 
Tommy said he doesn't love you anymore. <laughs> and we get somebody calling up, and Shelly would be calling up saying, did you just get a Tommy that says, Shelly, uh, he doesn't love me anymore? And then we would just keep doing that back and forth. And we get crazy calls, you know. That's why I want you on the station, man. It was fun, man. It was fun. I can't even explain how much fun that stuff was. I'll even let you say the Russell and Charlie show, you know. You let me say Russell and Charlie show? Yeah, it could be the Russell. You are older than me. I'll let you go first. Russell and Charlie show. I don't know what this thing about old people is all about now. Russ still got it. What are you talking about? Listen, yeah, we. (laughs) That's it, man. I ain't going nowhere, so for you. <laughs> All right, brother. You have a great night. <laughs> and wait till that buddy. That buddy's going to get this right across his chest. He's going he's gonna to get one, boy. All right. Don't, don't hit him. Don't hit him. He got a bad back, man. Don't he hit him. him. He got a bad back, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Charlie. You got me right, crazy. I'll see you later. Now I got to go right. hide. I feel like I used to do radio years ago. I go on the streets. I have to go hide because everybody like we heard you on radio. Well, you need to come back on the radio. WNB1 radio. That's where you That's need it. to be. It's tea time. All right, Santa Claus. See you later. See you later. All right. Take care. Bye. Have a good night. Bye. You too. All right, everyone. We had a podcast that went on a little further than usual, but we had Frank Slaughter on the program, co-host Russell Ramis. Always good talking to them. Always good hearing from you guys. And uh, continue to support the Really Charlie podcast here on StreamYard, Facebook, Anchor, Spotify, and also YouTube. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, And also my... uh, other project is uh, I'm on WMB1 Radio from 6 to 8 on Tuesdays, WMB1 Radio, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesdays, serving you R&B on the rocks, chilled music and a chilled host where you get to listen to the music you love the most on WMB1 Radio. Sounds pretty good, huh? Join me. Download the app. Put the app in your browser and just listen to the song. You can listen to WMB1 radio every day, 24 hours a day, seven days out of the week. And uh, so, latch on. Locally owned. That's locally support. This fine radio station. Take care, y'all. Talk to you.